Welcome to the BME Culture Happy Hour, a production of the GT BME Learning Commons What's the Buzz podcast series, our roundtable podcast about what we are learning, doing, and creating. I'm Candace Chung, a fourth-year biomedical engineering student at Georgia Tech. Hi, I'm Mavika, Mavika Sangui, a fourth-year BME as well. Hi, I'm Dara Patel, and I'm a third-year BME. Hi, I'm Avinio Dekmar, and I'm a third-year BME as well. In studio today, we have uh, the BME superman himself, Dr. Walt Baxter. Dr. Baxter is a scientist and inventor, professor and an advisor. And for all of us BMEs, he's one of the coolest tech alums and the coolest BME advisor out there. And what's more, he's as eager to talk to, with us as we are with him. So welcome to the podcast studio, Dr. Baxter. How are you doing today? Very well. Thank you, guys. It's great to be here. So before we dive into the nitty gritty, can you tell us about your time at tech? Yeah, um, my time at tech was wonderful. I was here from 89 till 93 back in the day. So national championship in football and final four uh, basketball team, the Lethal Weapon 3. So top that, please. I I urge you. Uh, Yeah. So uh, while I was here, uh, I was a co-op student at Georgia Power Company. I worked at uh, Plant Bowen up in Cartersville or near Cartersville. So that's where I kind of got my first taste of the real world. That was fun. See, I was a resident assistant while I was on campus. Area two. What is area two? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was a (laughs) piece of the housing puzzle on West Campus. So I was in field, uh, if you know that that dormitory. Yeah. So that area of of dormitories there was was where I worked. And actually, the the friends that I made in that RA position were Mm. still pretty tight. So we get together once a year or so. Yeah, lots of fun. Yeah, been a long time. But and then I, I also, when I was here, uh, had a chance to work a little bit on the technique. So I wrote for the newspaper. So like, like you guys, I t- tried to take advantage of the opportunities here. But, but there was no BME. So I was a mechanical engineering student. Yep. Um, and very interested in biomechanics when I was here at Tech. So um, Dr. Cheng Zhu had just started um, here at Tech. So I was lucky enough to learn a little bit from him. Professor Ray Vito was a, a mm. great mentor of mine. So I got really lucky in the ME department. There were so many great, really bioengineers working there. That's kind of the way things were back in those days. So how did you decide to, well, focus, considering you were an ME uh, at Tech, how did you decide to, well, sort of transition into bioengineering? Yeah, I, you know, for me, I, I think my story is similar to a lot of people. I really fell in love with a particular medical device. I think all of us find some disease or some, some treatment that gets them excited as an engineer and, and also, you know, just as, as a person who experiences medical care. So for me, I remember very clearly uh, when, when coronary atherosclerosis, uh, the, the, the uh, balloon you know, uh, was created in the eighties. I remember that being, a uh, a big invention that was, that was on a popular science magazine. And I saw that and thought, man, that's really cool. So I read that, that article and that was kind of inspiring for me. And then when coronary stents came out, that was just another layer of really neat, uh, use of, for me, what I thought was kind of a mechanical engineering system, you know, in, in the human body. So, so, you know, when I think back, I think that was a big, a big impact on me. So I never quite lost that. You know, I, I really enjoyed the time in the power industry, just learning about something completely different. Um, so, but yeah, that, that's kind of how I landed there. So how did you go from like being a tech student to working in the medical industry? Yeah, I had a 
uh, had a, a circuitous route. Um, in the early 90s, um, I, the advice I got was to definitely pursue a graduate degree in order to do biomedical engineering. That I think that's changed a lot in the last 20 years, and I think that's wonderful that a, a four- or five-year degree uh, can, can kind of get you on your way. That's very different from the way it was when I was, when I was uh, coming out of school. So I, I knew that, and for me, uh, graduate school turned into a Ph.D., experience at, at UC San Diego. I was really interested in biomechanics and actually Professor Zhu recommended that I apply there because he had done uh, postdoctoral work in La Jolla. So that was kind of lucky that I had that mentor here on campus uh, to point me that way. Um, and yeah, so just kind of being in the right place at the right time is, is the best answer for that. When, when I was a student in my, um, you know, in my, in my PhD studies, Medtronic approached the lab that I was working on with, with kind of a grand challenge for understanding what devices do after they get implanted. So I, I was able to, to work on that project for five plus years. <laughs> and then, and then yeah, it, like it, like, yeah, like many PhD students. And, and um, so I really, I really love that work and I still, I still do it in my current role. So as a PhD student, you got that like first I guess, introduction into working with Medtronic. And is that how you got, like, you got to where you are right now with Medtronic? Yeah, I, I've always been with Medtronic. And I am, an, in, you know, what they call an individual contributor. So I, I still do science and engineering every day. And I really enjoy that. You know, um, many of my friends and colleagues have, have moved on to people management. They've had wonderful careers in a variety of different roles. Um, but you know, I, for, for me, that really still excites me, you know, writing code to automate processes, <clears throat> analyzing medical images to, to see what a, an, an implant looks like. Um, th those sorts of things are, are really fun for me. So that's kind of how I've progressed is I, I just kept getting a little bit deeper in each of those areas. And what, what I've been most surprised about is this, this fundamental idea that, that I started with doesn't seem to yet have a finish line. It, it seems like all of the medical devices that are out there all interact with the body in a unique way. And there are so many mechanical, chemical, electrical, you name it, challenges in the interface between devices and, and anatomy that, that I, I think that kind of keeps you, keeps you working to stay mm -hmm. ahead, of, ahead of the game there. So I think I got a lucky problem, to be really honest. <laughs> that's, that's the story. So, yeah. Um, what was the, like you said, that Medtronic approached the lab that you were working at at UCSD. So what was the research focus of that lab and problem? Yeah. So, so like, like Georgia Tech, there are other universities that have some pretty preeminent research groups. The group that, that I was lucky enough to work with developed a technique where they measured um, cardiac deformation, so how the heart deforms during a, a cardiac cycle in a diseased and a normal state. Mm -hmm. And they use little metal markers that they put in, into heart walls to track how the heart is beating and how it's moving. And, and that technology is fundamentally what we kind of tore apart and redesigned to track medical devices and kind of understand what they're doing. Do you still work in cardiology devices now? I don't. Two years ago, I made a move to uh, neuromodulation, which has been a lot of fun. 
Although I got to admit, I still essentially work on the, the, the leads, the wires that carry electrical signal from a, a stimulator uh, to the anatomy. This time it's, you know, it's from a neurostimulator to the brain or the back or the spinal cord or gastro area for overactive bladder and diseases like that. But, but it's fundamentally the same challenge, right, is you've got this flexible wire uh, delivering signal to the body and you need to keep it alive and keep it, keep it happy. So, but yeah, I did make a change. It's been fun. A lot of learning. I really forgot all of my neuroanatomy. So that's been a real <laughs> challenge. Uh, I felt like in my training, at least, cardiac was kind of the first, you know, sort of anatomy that we gravitated to. And so that was an easy transition for me throughout my career. And this one is a little bit more challenging, at least for me. So so all of us were wondering, uh, at Medtronic right now, you're a senior scientist uh, principal. Um, what would a day in the life of Dr. Wald Baxter be today? <laughs> um, so there isn't a day, just like, just like your faculty members, every, every day is different, right? right? And so we, we have waves of, of, uh, waves of things, um, to, to work on. I, I like to break down, uh, you know, there isn't a typical day, but it, uh, what I like to shoot for is about 60% of my time doing what I'd call analysis. And so bundled in that is, um, developing some new analysis to look at the problem that I've just described for mm -hmm. you, presenting those results to teammates that I work with, helping people kind of digest what the data is showing. Um, and then a fair amount of that bucket is spent writing, you know, informal emails, project updates, all the way up to a formal uh, research report, which, which can take quite a bit of time. In a, in a perfect world, I'd spend 20 or 30 percent of my time working with clinicians. So I'd, I'd be helping others, you know, go gather medical images, uh, you know, working in hospitals, working with nurses and, and customer physicians, and even occasionally meeting patients, which has been really fun. Uh, patients who consent to, to maybe provide some of their, their x-ray images or something to us to, to have a look at, uh, at our devices. And then um, the, the last 10% that I really enjoy is, is things like this, talking to students. Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to guest lecture, teach some classes, um, speak occasionally at conferences, and kind of just talk a little bit about what we're trying to do at, at Medtronic and also kind of what the medical device industry is, is looking for, you know, what, what, what we need, where we're going to be in 10 years. Mm. Not that I really know, but just, you know, it's, a, it, it's fun to to get out and represent that way a little bit. Well, where do you think we're going to be in 10 years? Yeah, I, I was afraid you would ask yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I tell you, a, a trend that uh, that we hear a lot about at Medtronic is the concept of value-based healthcare. I, I hate to throw, throw a buzzword out there, but the, the, the idea is that as engineers, uh, we are not only great at inventing things that help people, uh, but, but also at optimizing those designs, right, and making them incredibly inexpensive mm. and being able to turn out widgets in the, in the millions for pennies on the dollar. And when you think about healthcare around the globe, um, that's what we really need, right? Um, it's kind of, kind of that frugal innovation thing, except in the, in the medical space. So I, I really think that's another big wave that's, that's coming because there's a tremendous underserved population overseas and, and, even, and even here. Right. So healthcare cost has been a big discussion for the last 10, 15 years. And 
and that's not going away. Is there any um, particular field in, like, a medical field which uh, um, will probably take precedence over the others? Um, you know, it's hard to predict that. Right. It it really is, and and I feel like um, not 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 to be to put on the rose colored glasses too much, but I, I feel like the things that BME students study prepare you well for whatever is coming. I think I think the tools will change a little bit more slowly than the areas where they're applied, if that makes sense. So that means that what you walk out of Georgia Tech with mm-hmm. should equip you well, you know, for certainly the first five or ten years of, of practice. And then of course you you keep learning, right? right. Um but but I, I hope I, I get that question a lot. It's uh, you know, what do I need to study? What 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 piece of bioengineering is is the most mm-hmm. You know, yeah. lucrative is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, the one yeah. that will help me kind of step right into this fabulous mm-hmm. career. And, and there isn't a good answer for that. I I think for, for me, the, the flavor of bioengineering that most excites you is the right one to pursue because you've got to get out of bed every morning and go to work, you know, for a long time mm-hmm. doing that. So what advice would you give uh, Georgia Tech BME students who want to get into the medical device industry? Um, keep up the good work. You know, you guys are doing fantastic work here. Um, I hear a lot of students who are incredibly eager to get internships, and I think that's fantastic, but there are not enough internships in the world to go around. Um, one of the th- competitive advantages that you all have is that you're sitting in the midst of these world-class laboratories that need people to, to help, mm. even, even in small ways, uh, getting involved here on campus, helping out graduate students, postdoctoral researchers, um, getting exposed to what's going on in the lab, uh, particularly here at Georgia Tech, where a lot of the work does trend in a translational way. You know, it's not always 20, 30-year visionary work. There's nothing wrong with that. But some of, the, some of the work here on campus really can look and feel a lot like an internship opportunity. So that would be one thing I would I would tell people is to start to gather those experiences that that I think are really unique here at Georgia Tech and frankly just just keep working hard in, in your curriculum. I mean it it's a it's a great curriculum here and and really a lot of universities and colleges have emulated that. So did you do research as an undergraduate? So I'm glad you asked that because I tried and I was a cooperative student. So I was only on campus for you know. Three months at a time, then three. So it was a quarter system back then. <gasps> yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> You're so old. Which I tell you, I, I, I love the quarter system because it's a three-month packet of information you shove in your head and then you walk away, right? But anyway, they each have their advantages and disadvantages. If you're a cooperative student, it's a fantastic system because there are four three-month periods. And so summer is just as impactful as fall, yeah. right? So yeah, I, I I was not able to partially because I was a cooperative student. I couldn't couldn't get to the lab as often as the rest of the students could. So that that's tough to have an undergrad train up by only being around for three months and then disappearing. And right, makes um, but the fact of the matter is that the culture is really different now, and that's been a really positive development over the last twenty years. A lot of things are positive, but I, I think you'll find that undergraduates are quite welcome in a lot of labs. Mm-hmm. Do you guys agree? I hope. Yes. Um, yes. Okay, Definitely. good. And and I mean, I think that's something to take advantage of. 
does it take a little bit of kind of being out there? And, and yeah, does it take a little bit of pushing? Absolutely. But, but you have the same experience if you, if you had an internship at a, you know, at a CR Bard or Johnson & Johnson or any of the other companies that hire people. What's another example of a cultural difference between tech now and tech then? Tech, like many universities and particularly engineering schools, is a more diverse place now than it was at the undergraduate level. There is plenty of work to do in that area, both at the undergraduate level, graduate level, and particularly at the faculty level. And that's not a Georgia Tech problem. Uh, that's, that's a problem all across the academy and, and, in, and in, in industry as well. So we, we, we all seek out talented, underrepresented uh, minorities and groups and, and women, uh, for instance, in engineering. And that, that's, a, that's a challenge. But I am happy every time I come to campus and see that I feel that the program reflects kind of the outside world a little bit more than it did when, when I was here. I, I, I have the same stories that everybody else does from, from you know, the, the 80s and that I took electrical engineering courses where there was one female and in 100 <laughs> yeah, yeah. people, 100 I students. So, yeah, so it's, it's you know, there, don't, don't get me wrong. There's work to do, but it's not about a number. It's about the experience, and it's about having diverse teams with people who bring different thought to the table. And that just makes a better engineering team. I think I think everybody is more effective there. For sure. So that's one big cultural difference, I would say. That and we don't win national championships anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah, other than that. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh. But, it, but it's coming. Yeah. It's like an arrow to the heart. It's, oh. it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. We did really well last year. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you mean the year? In, you, football? Your, football? Um, football. Football. Yeah, so 2014. We don't look at it. So I know that you're involved in a lot of things outside of Medtronic, um, like you're part of the external advisory board for the BME department at Georgia Tech. So how um, how did you get involved in all of these different things? Yeah, I, I am very fortunate that I, again, I told you that's a part of my job that I really enjoy. And I have a support system at work wherein my supervisor really encourages us to put on, you know, really help Medtronic be viewed positively, you know, in the biomedical engineering world and, and professional societies, et cetera. So that's the first thing to tell you is that I have, I'm lucky enough to have support from, from my chain of, of command, if, if you will. But I, I really enjoy working with the board that's here at Georgia Tech. So again, I've got a great support group. Um, my, my boss and, you know, supervisor are very supportive of that. Um, but, but also, um, it's something I just really feel passionately about. I mean, BME is a pretty new field. You know, mechanical engineering is what I studied. It, you know, 1880s or so is, you know, even prior, there, there were mechanical engineering degrees out there. And there just haven't been bioengineers in the world labeled that way for, for long. And so I, I do feel like helping other people kind of make their way towards their mm -hmm. career is, is a little tricky when, when a field is new particularly at the undergraduate level. So I do, I do like getting involved in that. Um, but, but I have to say, the external advisory board that we have here at, at the Georgia Tech Emory kind of Coulter Department is incredibly unique and populated by some fantastic industry representatives from a, a, an amazing cross-section mm -hmm. of kind of med tech, the legal world, small business, investor community, et cetera, if, if you haven't, take a look on our webpage to see the individuals that are on that 
that advisory committee. And remember that they are part of the Georgia Tech family. So students who are interested in reaching out to those individuals uh, should feel free, you know, to, to really do that. And I've, I've been lucky enough to serve on a few advisory boards. And, and this is really an, an amazing one in that it, it brings people in from all over. And we actually make great progress in helping students and their experience, you know, keep improving. What is what is it like um, being in one of those meetings? Because like we've like us four have uh, come in and talked to you guys, you know, in our small little hour that we get. So what is it like, like having that entire, I guess, is it a week long? It's a couple of days. It's a couple about of days. About a day and a half, right? But what is that like? Like, what is the process of everything? Yeah, it's it's really fantastic. I mean, you you do you do get kind of barraged by information, but um, you know, it's it's a very efficient use of everybody's time. Um, again, while you've got this room full of people from literally everywhere in in the you know academic and industry and and some government nonprofit people, you, I think you know the department takes great advantage of that and puts some of the really important issues out on the table for us to weigh in on. Um, traditionally, uh, industry advisory boards are used to satisfy ABET accreditation, so ensure that the curriculum is meeting the needs of you know the customer, which would be people hiring Georgia Tech grads. Um, but some universities and institutes like Georgia Tech take it a little bit further. And, and I, I'd say, uh, you know, the BME departments kind of supersize that, you know, to, to really have great discussions about how to, you know, build diverse faculty and student bodies, um, you know, uh, make sure that Emory and Georgia Tech are, are a great match and that, and that issues with the two campuses are, are resolved. We get lots of great discussion about how to make things things even better, you know, which is sometimes a challenge because this is a great place, but it's fun to, fun to hear about all that stuff. So have you like personally seen any like improvements or changes in our department that you were part of the group that suggested it? Um, you know, one really key thing that happened recently, and we can't take, the board can't take any credit for this, but, but we'll, we'll take a little bit is, um, <laughs> Um, the, Shannon Barker, Shannon Sullivan, um, you know, the, the core group of staff and, and Dr. Stanley, Garrett Stanley, trying to uh, talk a little bit about professional development for graduate students is, is a great example of something that a positive change that's been made recently. So they are implementing a change in the curriculum that injects a little bit more professional development flavor into, I think it's the seminar series. Um, and, and the beauty of it is that it doesn't increase the burden on students. So somehow Shannon, Shannon, and Garrett have basically injected some fantastic ideas for talking about how to communicate, how to present their research ideas concisely. Um, you know, some, some of the project management skills that students need to, to make progress on a long dissertation road you know, uh, th these are some skills that are really incredible and really not offered anywhere else. And I think Georgia Tech is launching that soon. It's just a fan, you know, BME at Georgia Tech is launching that. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's another example of how Georgia Tech can lead with innovative curriculum. If any listeners have not gone to one of these, they are absolutely fantastic. Even as an undergraduate, I've been to one of the graduate um, professional development seminars, and they're absolutely fantastic. Like, they're very educational. They're 
easy to understand, but it's also very relevant, even as an undergraduate student. Yeah, so that that's the other role of the board with all the fantastic people there is, is to make sure that students have access to individuals who are where they might like to be eventually, mm-hmm. you know, be they in academia or, or like I said, in a, in a government job, the NIH, FDA, et cetera, or, or your, your industry spot. All right. Well, we're about reaching the end of the segment. Is there anything else you'd like to say to BME students? Nothing other than keep up the great work. Uh, your your work is highly appreciated by the medical device industry. I'll, I'll just speak speak for the medical device industry if I could for a second. Uh, <laughs> just a little comical. Um, but, you know, go Jackets. I mean, really, we, you, you guys have built a fantastic program. And it's the students and faculty and staff that make it great. You know, it's, it's not the physical place. So uh, thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. And as always, we are going to close the show with what is making us happy this week. So Malvika, what is making you happy this week? My senior design team is making me super happy this week. (laughs) Dara? The fact that Dr. Baxter is here from California is making me really happy this week. Okay. I had my first chance to visit the campus at Emory today. And a little bit embarrassing, but at the same time, very exciting. Uh, Wonderful facilities over there, great faculty and students, and that was very exciting to hear about. So yeah, that's what's making me happy. Well, I guess I already did a podcast earlier on, but something that's making me really happy is um, I got elected as vice president for logistics for India Club, which is the largest cultural organization on campus. So I'm really, really excited about that. And what is making me happy this week? Uh, I just found out that Dr. Baxter carries my signature in his wallet. And that makes me really happy. Autograph. Oh, it's an autograph. It, it is an autograph. Candace, you're world famous. I mean, come on. Yeah, anyone listening to this podcast knows that. Okay. Well, we would like... So thank you, everyone, for being on this show today. And uh, we'd like to hear everyone's questions and comments on this uh, podcast. Um, please post your comments to our podcast website at gtbme.libsyn.com. Again, that's gtbme.libsyn.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. If you have any suggestions about the podcast or BME in general, post it on Dr. Ledoux's whiteboard. To find Dr. Ledoux's whiteboard, go to the BME undergraduate webpage, look to the right side underneath current undergraduates, and click where it says Dr. Ledoux's whiteboard. (laughs) Well, thank you all for being here, and thank you all for listening. Listen in to the BME Culture Happy Hour next week.